Well, let me welcome to the program, Father Darren Connell. Father Connell, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us today on Sound Insight. Happy to be here. So, Father, today we're here to talk about an end-of-life seminar, just a seminar and event that you all are putting on in the diocese to help folks um, reflect on uh, the biggest questions of all and how do we live, pl- uh, prepare well, how do we plan well for uh, the things that will be coming, uh, well, to face us all at one point in our lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Father, so first of all, welcome to the program and also happy Holy Week. Thank you. Thank you to you, too. So, Father, we are actually moving towards the, uh, the, the highest point in our own liturgical year as we walk with the Lord through his passion, death, and resurrection uh, in this sacred triduum that's coming up. And it really does put us face-to-face um, with our own mortality, with the reality that we all one day will face death, and in the light of faith, we don't do that alone. Right, and um, I find that this time of the year, Holy Week and Easter, is a good time to also, you know, around the 1st of November, when we celebrate the Feast of All Saints and All Souls, are times in the year when it's important to stop and reflect on, um, to reflect on the end. We as priests kind of have that privilege, I think, because we are with so many people so often who are nearing the end uh, and who are receiving the last sacraments and and uh, to pray those prayers with them and with their family. We're I think we're confronted with that, with our own mortality, uh, perhaps more than than some others it might be. But you know, for all of us in the church, um, this is a time to reflect on the fact that that we don't live for this world; that we live for the the world um, that is to come. It's from the old uh, the old uh, Baltimore Catechism uh, question about you know why were we created? We were created to know God, to love God, and to serve God in this life, so that we can be happy with Him uh, forever in the next. And therefore, it's important. Uh, to prepare for the next life, but also for that that transition into the next life. Well, and you know, Father, as as a lot of people get very busy about their own lives, some of the things that we can be planful about, things that we can say, I want to be intentional and thoughtful and and really plan out how to approach things. I think we oftentimes mm-hmm. get stuck in the here and now, like just what's happening. Like, let me make a budget for the month. Let me figure out mm-hmm. how am I going to get my kids to the different events that they have this week. When it comes to planning mm-hmm. for one's own transition um, through death to eternal life, I think one of the areas that maybe gets less attention is end-of-life issues and how do we approach that in the light of our Catholic faith. And so I think one of the beautiful things that's happening is that you all are providing an opportunity coming up on April the 27th, an end-of-life conference. And so uh, Mm -hmm. if you want to attract people to a conference, Calling it an end of life conference may not be the most <laughs> attractive, exactly. but it's exactly. important. So, would you talk I, a bit about that? I, yeah, sure. I wonder if if one of the things that you know may, maybe a more attractive title in, in terms of my experience as a priest is a gift to your children and family because um, people who die and leave behind children and family and they haven't made plans. Um, I don't care how healthy and wonderful the family is; it, it never goes well. Death has a way of of picking off old scabs and and kind of reliving old wounds. And um, I just think it's one of the best gifts that people can give to their children and their family is to plan out, to make um, their wishes known in advance. What do they want to happen uh, um, at the end of their life, Uh, you know, with regard to all those medical decisions that that have to be made? You know, we're living longer today and, and 
we're faced with, you know, illnesses and diseases that would have killed us, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, but they don't today. And medical science has a way of kind of, uh, you know, prolonging things. And, and there's a delicate balance there between uh, respecting that and, and not not taking the part of, part of God and not hastening one's death. And those are very difficult and emotional um, and, frankly, sometimes guilt-producing events when when left to family members to try to determine what to do. The best thing for a someone to do is to make those decisions in advance, to appoint uh, someone who uh, can make those decisions. I know for my own life, um, we have a young priest here at the cathedral, Father Ratuiste, and Bishop Daly has sent him away to get a degree in biomedical ethics. And when we have these kinds of issues that come up pastorally, and for myself personally, I, I would love to have him make those decisions uh, at that time uh, for me, because I, I want them to be done in accord with the church and the church's teaching. Um, and I think that's a gift that, that everyone can give. So that's not talking about the death. That's just simply talking about that process of dying. And then when we move to uh, the issue of of death and the funeral and all of that, again, one of the best gifts that uh, people can give to their children and to their families is to plan that out. One of, There's a disturbing trend that I've seen as a priest uh, crop up, and that is this, that you have a, a devout, uh, faithful couple, daily mass. The husband dies, and then sometime later, the wife dies. They're both devout Catholics, but now they're both gone. They have children who have walked away, for, for one reason or another, from the active practice of the Catholic faith. And they don't bother to give their mom a Catholic burial. They just want the whole thing over with. They might uh, have a celebration of life. And um, I just find that, frankly, insulting to the faith of those, of those parents. Uh, I understand the kids have their own issues, but... Gosh, this was so important for mom and dad. And I tell parents, make sure uh, you you have those conversations and say exactly what you want at that at that time of death. You know, Father, you actually are speaking very much to the situation that we faced as a family just about a year and a half ago when my mom died, and her death happened pretty unexpectedly. We had um, uh, faced a situation where my mom was showing signs of like losing her memory took her to the doctors, found out that she had brain cancer and just diminished Mm -hmm. quickly. And in three months, three months later, she was gone. And because her Mm -hmm. condition was so all encompassing and her diminishment of her own capabilities happened rapidly, the idea that we could peacefully have conversations in the midst of all of that around how do we want to celebrate her life in the light of her Catholic faith at the end of her life and it was there was a lot of stress and strain and pressure and emotions and it was really really hard and it was like mm-hmm. if only we had a more peaceful approach to doing this well then lo and behold we discovered that she and my dad had sat down several years earlier and my mom had been able to share with him here are the songs that i want at my wake. Here are, the, here are the people that I would love to have um, present at my funeral. Here's how I want to approach my own, uh, my own death in terms of where will we be buried and um, what about medical decisions. And so my mom and dad had done that, but my dad had um, 
taken some time to figure out, wait a minute, where was all of that? So we were able to, if you will, get some guidance from them, mm-hmm. especially my mom, even when she wasn't literally in that moment able to provide the guidance. So I want to say, amen, yes. Right. And, and you talked about your mother being buried, which raises a whole other issue um, today that is becoming a little more problematic. And that's the, the some of the uh, practices of cremation, whereby uh, people are cremated and the remains are never uh, buried. They sit on the mantle and they end up in the garage or parents or um, children divide them up into different lockets. And that really is uh, not the mind of the church. The the church uh, in her ritual on funerals uh, has a beautiful section on the uh, on the body and how we care for the body. I, if I could read it really quickly, um, the body of a deceased Catholic Christian is also the body once washed in baptism, anointed with the oil of salvation and fed with the bread of life. Thus, the church's reverence for the sacredness of the human body grows out of a reverence and concern both natural and supernatural for the human person. All too often, people think that, um, I've had this in my own family, you know what, I, I've had relatives, uncles, and things. Why would I die? Just throw my body in a ditch. It doesn't matter. I'm not there anymore. And I want to say, well, that, that's not true. Your, your body was a temple of the Holy Spirit, and our Catholic faith tells us that one day that body will be transformed and reunited with the soul. And so we have to treat it with respect and dignity. And that's why the church prefers... Um, to have the body present for the funeral mass uh, at, at the very least. Uh, and if cremation happens later for, you know, some important reasons, fine, but at least for the funeral mass to have that, that uh, body present because of what that body was and what that body uh, will become is really uh, very important. And, you know, the church says you treat the cremains if you are cremated, you treat those remains, as if you would the body itself. And so I've heard stories of people getting their dad cremated and going down to the high neighbor tavern for one last time to have a beer and there's dad's ashes sitting on the bar stool. And as if somehow that's meaningful, um, I said, would you do that with your dad's body? Well, no, of course that's, that's kind of macabre. It's, it's, or, or spreading dad's ashes over the golf course. You know, you wouldn't spread his limbs over the golf course. Um, and yet, we are called to, to have that very same reverence for the remains that we do for the body. And that's why the church prefers uh, bodily burial. Today I'm talking with Father Darren Connell. He's the Vicar General in the Diocese of Spokane. And he's talking to us today about the importance of reflecting on, well, the end of our lives and how do we prepare well for that moment, whether it is being able to re- get the peace of mind that comes from planning ahead or making sure that your choices are honored. And I think, Father, isn't there also a, a practical um, association with actually the, the costs associated if we, uh, if we plan right. ahead, that we also can literally save money? Right. So some uh, people rightly uh, make the observation that it's, it's less expensive to have a cremation right away and, and more expensive to have a bodily burial. I guess I would say two things about that. The first is pre-planning... Uh, allows us to bring those costs down of a bodily burial in advance. I, I myself, I think I'm paying, I think I'm paying thirty-eight dollars a month uh, for my um, for my burial needs, my bodily burial and my 
I'll be buried at Holy Cross when the time comes. And I'm, I'm doing all that, planning it all out now and making the, the payments now so that when the time comes, if I uh, don't die anytime soon, the costs will be um, less than, than kind of a at-need kind of a, a situation. I think also, too, we have to, keep it, we have to remember that, yes, uh, there are additional costs for bodily burial, but um, I guess I'm not terribly, you know, we don't need to go broke on this. You don't need to buy a $10,000 casket. But by the same token, the fact that it does cost a little bit more to bury a body in a very simple casket or whatever um, does is symbolic of our reverence for this body as a temple of God's Holy Spirit, and that one day this body will be raised again. And so, you know, I, I, I guess, again, I don't want people to be extravagant, and I understand that, but by the same token, that it does cost a little bit more, it doesn't bother me personally because of the profound reverence we are supposed to have for the human body. Well, and Father, coming back to the fact that this is happening, uh, where our interview is happening during Holy Week, uh, we look at the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and isn't that one of the you know the great signs of the resurrection is that it's the glorified body of the Lord that's risen? Right, and 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 uh, that's part of this this tremendous mystery of, of of this week. You know, when we make the stations, we come to the end, and you know that that loving, tender moment of of our Lord coming down from the cross and being in his mother's arms and held and his body being buried. And then to not have that be the final word, word that three days later he is raised from the dead. And very interesting, um, our bodies, our glorified bodies, we know from what happened to Jesus, are somehow different than our, than our bodies that we have now. There's something that, that's unrecognizable. Remember, um, in the garden, Mary didn't recognize uh, Jesus in his resurrected body. She thought he was the gardener. I think that tells us that, that yes, our bodies will be resurrected, but there will be something different about our glorified bodies. Now, my hope is that my body will be a little thinner and I'll have a little more hair, but uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's uh, nonetheless going to be different than what we have what we have now. Again, I'm talking with Father Darren Connell today on Sound Insight, and we're uh, reflecting on this theme, not only in the light of Holy Week, but in the light of an end-of-life seminar that is coming up on April the 27th. That's a week from Saturday. Again, you can find more information about all of these different wonderful services that the uh, the Diocese of Spokane offers by going to holycrossofspokane.org, holycrossofspokane.org. That's the website of Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services. And they're the ones that are sponsoring and putting together this conference on end-of-life issues. Father, I think one of the things that also uh, happens at that event is talking about estate planning, because again, this is mm-hmm. another one of those things that sometimes, oh, I'll put that off for later. I'll put that off for later. And then all of a sudden they get caught by surprise because you know they're, they, how life unfolds, we don't always have the guarantee of even today in our hands. Right. And I, again, keeping it with that theme is a, is a gift to your loved ones who remain to make all that clear. I have seen very fine families, uh, siblings argue over, I don't care if it's $5 or $5 million, um, deep rifts can happen between siblings, you know, over a lake cabin or over an annuity or something over material possessions that that tear them apart because parents, you know, didn't do that kind of estate planning and and weren't, uh, you know, open with their kids about what they wanted. And also, too, I, I encourage everyone, and I've done it myself, 
uh, to leave some portion of their estate to the church. Um, and I think especially to their parish. Uh, why do I say that? You know, we have people who um, are in a parish for 20, 30, 40 years, perhaps even daily mass goers. At the end of their life, they go to hospice uh, for, their, for their final care. And then when the, when the, when the obituary appears in the newspaper, I've noticed donations may be sent to hospice care. Well, for heaven's sakes, the hospice took care of them for four or five days. Their parish nourished them for 40 or 50 years. And um, I, I just think we need to plan that. Some percent of our estate, maybe it's 10%, maybe it's the tithe, maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but some portion of our estate to go to support the work of the church until Jesus Christ comes again. And what a wonderful lesson for children and grandchildren and family, too, that we need to keep all of this in proportion because, again, we don't live for this world. We live for the world that is to come. Amen to that. That is uh, just so critical to hear. And I think that, again, in our in the world that we're living in today, Father, talking with Father Connell uh, from the Diocese of Spokane, he's the Vicar General and reflecting with me today on end-of-life issues because of an upcoming conference that's going to be sponsored. Uh, they are in the diocese on Saturday, April the 27th. Uh, Father, I think that. Um, this idea of being afraid of talking about death um, is sometimes connected to wanting to just like find our home here on earth. And one of the ways that we're able to like bring our own faith perspective to bear on every part of our lives is in fact recognizing this idea that we're stewards of everything. <laughs> we're stewards even of our own lives. And so letting that be reflected in our estate where will the where will the resources where will everything that has been put into my hands go i think that's so very important that that the estate the will all of that is actually reflecting who i am and what i'm about in life yeah it's all focused on 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 why we're here on this earth and and that is to point to um again the life that is to come so, Father, I have to say that when I was chatting with uh, someone from the cemetery services office, he was saying that one of the things that uh, uh, you've done in terms of planning how you'll be carried, uh, cared for after you pass away is make sure that you actually have passed away. <laughs> about a terror <laughs> right. of being buried alive. So is there, they said, right. ask father about that. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to make people, you know, neurotic or anything, but I, my my recollection is that um, you know Thomas Akempis is a kind of a classical spiritual writer. Uh, he, he wrote a, a work called The Imitation of Christ, and perhaps your listeners would be familiar with that. And uh, the story goes that that they were trying to uh, uh, promote his cause for sainthood, and, and as part of that process, they exhumed his body and. The top of, of the coffin had all kinds of scratch marks on it because they evidently had buried him alive. Uh, and uh, they determined that at the end he despaired. Well, for heaven's sake, who wouldn't despair in that kind of situation? So I just my request was to them, just make sure I'm dead before you put me into the ground. It's a little <laughs> bit of a joke. but uh, yeah. Father, I never heard yeah. that before. That is really something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, wonder- so I don't know if it's legend or not, but it, it, it uh, caused me to have a talk with the funeral people. So. Well, isn't there, uh, again, talking about this is kind of, you know, this is not an ordinary breakfast conversation, but isn't there a role around the, uh, the death of a Pope that someone actually confirms that he's, he's actually died? Yeah, right. So I think I remember John Paul II, 
the, that tradition uh, being talked about of um, the senior cardinal going in and, and, and tapping his head with a silver mallet, uh, you know, going back probably centuries. Uh, again, I think it's the same idea. Let's just make sure he's dead. But nowadays with, you know, modern technology and things, uh, um, I don't think we have to worry too much about that. So when, when, you're, when you're dead, you're dead. There's going to be no doubt. <laughs> well, and oh. death is a door, right? Death is not the end. It's a door to eternal life. And that's one of the great gifts of having a, a Catholic vision of life, right? That if there's no resurrection, then the most uh, pitiable of, of people, St. Paul says, but we have uh, faith and hope in Christ's victory over death. Father, do you have any uh, final thoughts or uh, yes. reflections for us? Yeah, I do. I, I, you know, I'm always... Um, cognizant of the fact when I talk about these issues that many of us, if not all of us, have already made decisions in the past about about uh, end-of-life issues and medical decisions and death and dying and cremation, all that. And so I, I just want to give the disclaimer that, you know, most of us have made decisions that if we had to do it over again in light of, you know, present knowledge or whatever, uh, we probably would do have done it differently. And so I guess I'm concerned that that, you know, gosh, I had mom cremated and we didn't need to do that. And no, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. I will just leave all that to, to the mercy of God. Uh, and again, I have made decisions and in place with, with difficult decisions that if, again, if I could do it over again, I would, but I just have to leave that to God's mercy and try to, to move ahead and w- with decisions that I make about very complex issues. These are not easy issues. They're not black and white. Um, they're emotional and fraught with all kinds of, uh, of difficulty. Um, so I, I just would leave with that, that, Let's not worry about what we've uh, decided in the past. Uh, let's uh, move forward with uh, this fresh uh, batch of knowledge. So again, I do encourage you to go to the website of uh, holycrossofspokane.org, holycrossofspokane.org. It's the Holy Cross Funeral and Cemetery Services connected with the Catholic Diocese of Spokane. Today, again, I'm talking with Father Darren Colonel. Father, Thank you so much for taking time to be with us yep. today. And I really hope that folks having listened to this will come on out on April the 27th to the end of life seminar that you can learn about all of these issues again, from the standpoint of our Catholic faith. Thank you so much, father. Thanks so much. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. All right. God bless. Thanks.